Hello, and welcome to the Daily Grind Podcast, Ministry of Faith Baptist Church. It's a daily podcast Monday through Friday on our daily walk with Christ. It's hosted by Stephen and Andy Bitsko, myself. Today we're going to be using our Bibles as well as the 365 Days of Spurgeon Devotional. If you don't have a Bible readily available, you can download the Logos Bible software at logos.com or the 365 Days of Spurgeon Devotional. However, the devotional is not free. It's totally optional. The slides are on the screen. If you're watch, if you're listening on Spotify or podcast uh, app, it's in the podcast notes below. May twelfth, the ca- a caution to the presumptuous, preached by Charles Spurgeon on May thirteenth, eighteen fifty-five. First text we're going to be reading today is Hebrews chapter ten. Verses 19 through 25. Take a moment to find that in your Bibles. Feel free to pause the podcast while you do so. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, we see, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new way, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the evil, that is to say, his flesh. Through Through the the veil. veil. Excuse me. Through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Andy, I want to take you back to this one verse, verse right here, number 23. It's on your screen. It says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So first of all, you have that pro- profession of faith. Okay, that's not wavering. It's never going to change. So after you have accepted Jesus and you have that, you have your 100% faith into him, that's when your works of love for him take place. And a lot of times people look at works as that's what's going to get them to heaven. And uh, it doesn't get you anywhere except maybe give you a, a buck or two. But works for Christ for Christ and only Christ good works for others don't get you a heaven but I'll tell you what if you are saved and you accept him as your savior those works do do have reward they do have reward when you see him up there in heaven in fact you get a crown there's there's uh, several crowns you could you could achieve but that's a whole nother lesson if we go into verse number 25 not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of of some is, but exhorting one another as so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You know what? We really don't have that much today in assembling of ourselves together. <laughs> we don't have church right now. A lot of us uh, are not at a church building. Um, we're, we're not assembling. Um, we are assembling in spirit. We are worshiping and praying and um, uh, together as a church because the church is a, is the body of people 
but there's not much assembly or grouping as in the physical being as being into church. But how much exhort, exhorting are we doing today? Especially when we're away from each other and we're separated by six feet, how much exhorting are you giving? The Bible here is, is encouraging us to exhort one another. Really, no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter how many feet are between you and the next person, you need to exhort one another. Even though if you can't hear them or they can't talk because they're wearing their uh, face mask, still exhort one another regardless of limitations. Because it says, as you see the day approaching, that day approaching is Christ's I'm returning is Christ's second coming. That day is approaching. It may happen now. It may happen in five minutes. It may happen in a year. It may happen in 10 days. No one really knows, but that day is approaching. That's a promise that we have. Andy, did you have something? Yeah. Um, there's a very good reason why it's important not to forsake the assembly. And uh, I like history. I like talking about history. I like studying history. Uh, pre-World War II Nazi Germany, not so much during the war because it just didn't matter anymore, but pre-World War II Nazi Germany, the propaganda machine of the Nazis wanted the Christian pastors to proclaim Mein Kampf, which was Hitler's, um, I forget the word, but uh, his his text that he wrote, I forget the word that... Uh, that specific word, I can't remember. It was essentially a small pamphlet that he wrote when he was in prison uh, in the early, the late 1920s and early 1930s. He was imprisoned by the government, and he wrote Mein Kampf, which was a bunch of things regarding, you know, German history and German honor and such. But the when the he took over and the Nazi propaganda machine got started rolling, they wanted the preachers to preach Mein Kampf, which essentially said Jews are awful. They killed Christ. They should be exterminated. Anyone who's not Aryan should be exterminated. Pastors didn't want to preach that. So what the German government did is they would put pastors, and this is late 1930s, they would put pastors in concentration camps in solitary cells. They were, well, they were taken care of, but they were put in solitary cells, and they were given very selective words of the Bible that has put a negative light on the Jews, and then they would mess with their brains, and they would... Pr- pump them full of uh, propaganda and pamphlets to try to convince them that this is what the Bible had to say. And a lot of pastors in Germany did that. Mm-hmm. And they, the Lutheran pastors in Germany, Lutheran, uh, Lutheranism was one of the major um, denominations in Germany at the time. A lot of pastors, uh, Lutheran pastors, proclaimed that Jews are bad. Martin Luther wasn't much of a, he didn't like Jews much himself. He wrote a lot about it in his later days. And they started proclaiming that because they isolated them and they pumped them full of a certain type of information and cut them off from everything else, cut them off from all types of assembling, not just assembling with other people, but assembling with their Bibles. They didn't give them the whole Bible. They gave them parts of the Bible. They gave them little pamphlets. They gave them snippets from something Martin Luther said. And then they just parsed all that together and they messed with their brains. And then because they couldn't go to someone else or talk to someone else, If they didn't know the Bible well themselves, they weren't assembling with each other, and then they gave in, and they changed their minds, and they started preaching from the pulpit Hitler's propaganda, and that actually helped propel Germany farther into the hole that became World War II. 
That's why it's important not to forsake the assembling together. Because if you isolate yourself, if you if you practice in subconsciously or consciously practice isolationism, you're going to find a sort certain source of information that you allow into your life. And if that certain source of information is wrong, then you allow it to take over your life. And if that certain source of information isn't the Bible, isn't good counsel, then it changes the way you think, it changes the way you act, it changes the way you talk, and you're no longer living for God. That's why it's important to assemble together. That's why it's important to stay in your Bible. That's why it's important to constantly question your sources of information. And that's what I think this verse is talking about. I think you bring a good, you, you brought, you nailed it. You brought it up, everything from what I said to what the purpose is of this text is that we're not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. That don't forsake it. Again, if people stay at home and they don't go to church, okay, there's no exhorta- there's no exhorting one another. There's no edifying. Not person to person. Yeah, no. no. So basically, if you're home and you have your own dwelling of thoughts mm-hmm. or ideas and you have no one to bounce those off of, mm-hmm. okay, or to iron sharpness iron, yeah. you, can, you can really, you know, it becomes not just an idea, it becomes a belief then. Mm-hmm. So, and we bring all this point to that church is so important. It, <laughs> it is, is, it is important. so important. Uh, I know uh, there's a lot of people with some, uh, and this, uh, that have some crazy laws right now. Or they're not even laws. I would say they're ordinances mm-hmm. where they can't assemble at church. But I'll tell you what, as a Christian right now, sitting at home, you should be biting at the bit. One day, I hope one day or someday soon or maybe now I can go to church and I'm going to get there because I, I don't want to be forsaken by the assembly. I want to be there with my brothers and my sisters, talking to them, exhorting one another and be able to be there to worship together because that day is approaching. That second coming is approaching. And so we look at our sermon today because we were just warming up. that's what that was yeah a caution to the presumptuous so basically this is a sermon that was delivered on the sabbath morning of may 13th of 1855 if you're looking at the slides there he is charles spurgeon over there on the right he delivered this message at the exeter hall and strand um it is probably from reading the whole sermon spurgeon's sermons are fantastic but this one was probably he was beating he was beating the pulpit probably pretty hard on this one point here and we're gonna this is an excerpt of it and i'll go ahead and read these strong men sometimes will not use the means of grace and therefore they fall there are some persons here who rarely attend a place of worship they do not profess to be religious but i am sure they would be astonished if i were to tell them that I know some professedly religious people who are accepted in some churches as being true children of God, who yet make it a habit of stopping by from the house of God. Because they conceive they are so advanced that they do not want it. You smile at such a thing as that. They boast such a deep experience within they have a volume of sweet sermons at home, and they will stop and read them. They will not go to the house of God, for they are fat and flourishing. They, con- they conceit 
themselves that they have reached food enough seven years ago to last them next ten years. They imagine that old food will feed their souls now. There, there are your presumptuous men. I mean, excuse me, these are your presumptuous men. They are not to be found at the Lord's table, eating the body and drinking the blood of Christ in the holy emblems of bread and wine. You do not see them in their closets. You do not find them searching the scriptures with holy curiosity. They think they stand. They shall not be moved. They fancy that means are intending for weaker Christians and leaving those means they fall. They will not have the shoe to put uh, put upon the foot, and therefore the flint cuts them. Now, there's a bunch there. Well, I got one more section here. Oh, got, got one, one more, more section. He's not done. They will not put on the armor, and therefore the enemy wounds them, sometimes well nigh unto death. In this deep quagmire of neglect of means, many a proud professor has been smothered. So... Let's talk about church here, shall we, oh, Andy? Man. Shall we talk about there's, the men and women of this right there's now? There's so much there. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down okay. section by section. Okay? okay, we talked about in the beginning in our intro the importance of church. Yes, that you need to be to church. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the flip of what Spurgeon was addressing. That there's people, and we've mentioned this many times on this podcast, that pride is a killer. Pride will destroy your walk with Christ. Pride will destroy your testimony. And if someone thinks they have risen to that occasion, especially with knowledge, especially with Scripture, Spurgeon nails it on the head. They think they're so good, they're home reading their own sermons. Mm-hmm. They're, they're too good to go to church. They're, they're, they, they, they think they have enough food of what will last for seven years, but for ten years. But what's more importantly that he addresses is that that old food is is supplying them. You need fresh food. I mean, I've been in the military, Andy, and I've eaten MREs that probably been on shelves for years. Mm-hmm. Boy, I look forward to fresh food. <laughs> okay, when I come back from the field, I look forward to it. But for some. They don't want fresh food because they're too good. That pride is a killer. And uh, go ahead. I'm going to get you in on this, and then we're going to tie it again. Yeah. I think I actually have a, a, very, a very different uh, view on this. So we go back. A, let's go back a couple of slides and, and read this. These, these strong men sometimes will not use the means of grace. Uh, skip down a little bit farther. Who rarely, who rarely attend a place of worship. They do not profess to be religious, but I am sure they would be astonished if I were to tell them that I know some professedly religious people who are accepted in some churches as being true children of God, who yet make it a habit of stopping away from the house of God because they conceive they are so advanced that they do not want it. This I think, from, from my perspective, being a, a young man, this is the most dangerous part of church. Mm. And I think it's important, because it just, just, a, just a small example. Could you is, expand on that? It, yes. Is I've, I've seen it sometimes, um, where youth groups, the, the, the 
people in the youth groups, and, and I've been one of these kids too at times, the people in the youth groups, they go in, they walk the talk, they talk the walk, then they walk outside the doors, and you know, it's like they, it's not even the church property anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they could be at school, they could be wherever they're talking about things they shouldn't be talking about, you know, doing all kinds of stuff they shouldn't be talking about. I think that's the important part, and I think a lot of times why that happens is because church is more social than it is a place of learning. And I don't, it's, for me, I don't know why or how to fix that problem because, you know, I'm a kid. I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting here. I'm just observing well, I, this. I think in some of the other podcasts, you identify that what the, the teen really wants is the word. Mm-hmm. They want the truth. Mm-hmm. So by you saying that and addressing that, that that's what, you know, and I, I, when I was a, a youth pastor, that was one of the things that they taught me was don't try to fake it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll pick it up right away. Just tell them the truth. Yeah. Tell them the scripture. You know, don't try to be the cool guy mm-hmm. because the cool guy doesn't doesn't live the walk. Mm-hmm. Be true. Yeah. You know, walk the talk is basically yeah. what I'm saying. And I think the truth that you bring in that is that you know, churches, especially with the youth groups, the, the kids, the youth, the teenagers, you know, they see that as this is something I can go to on a Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they can go there and meet all their friends, high five each other. But and they don't take it seriously. That's why from my first text, you know, don't forsake the assembly. Mm-hmm. You know, don't for, don't take for granted church mm-hmm. like you can see right now in America. Some places can't have church. Some people just they just just can't have church right now, and uh, you know. I hope by by this a lot of people realize the importance of church. Mm-hmm. I mean the the struggle the struggle's real, Andy. Yeah. There's there is no yeah. church, you yeah. know, uh, a, a church building to go to that is approved by the governor or whoever mm-hmm. mayor you have right yeah. now in that corner, but. You're absolutely right. Go, go, do you have any more on that? I, I did. I, I, I wanted to, to, to expand on that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm 17. Mm-hmm. I'm not oh, by a, the way, I'm we not, took yesterday it, it, off. Yeah, we took it was yesterday his birthday. off. It was his it was birthday. birthday. You can send all flowers and candies <laughs> and goods to Andy. <laughs> um, but I'm 17. Yeah. It would be presumptuous of me to say this is a problem, this is a solution, because I'm not the one be, having, I'm not the youth pastor, I'm the kid learning. I'm still learning about this. So I see the problem of kids who, you know, they go in and they act like they're, you know, they're the best kids and they're the most Christian and then they leave and, you know, it's, it's you know, it's the world, it, nothing's changed. So I can, I can identify the problem, but to act like I know how to fix the problem wouldn't be right. So that, that's why I didn't you know, expand on that point more. I think the second point, the second thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that when Spurgeon here is talking about pride and that they think that they're above it, that they have enough nourishment, I think that's the second part. You don't see that as much in, in younger people as sometimes you, you could see it in older people where they think they know more about the scripture, and it's possible that they do, that they know more about the scripture that they don't really need to listen to what someone else is saying. And I, I think that, like, 
Um, a good example would be uh, if you've ever seen the movie Pollyanna. Um, the, she's the older lady who runs the who runs the town pretty much tells the preacher every Sunday what he should preach. And it gets to the point where he reads his Bible and figures out that, you know, he shouldn't be preaching what the lady tells him to preach. And, you know, that's, it's a little bit more of an abstract example, but there, there's sometimes, and it can happen in yourself in little ways, where you think you know more than someone else about a certain topic, that you just say, well, they, could, they can't be right. I have to be right. They can't be right. They must be wrong. And that, you could be right. You could very well possibly be right. But just discounting an argument simply because it couldn't be right, well, that actually looking at looking at the Bible and reading the Bible and understanding it. And you bring you bring up a good point because that's where a lot of church problems happen is because someone would disagree with the pastor without knowing full understanding. Well, they think they understand fully everything that he's preaching. Let's say, for, you know, for example, and, uh, you know, that person says, oh, he's wrong. He's wrong because I know he's wrong. Because, you know, I have a Ph.D. in divinity, therefore I know he's wrong. And, you know, they, they storm out. But the sad thing is that even though he has a Ph.D., and I'm just using an example here, even though he has a Ph.D. in divinity, for example, what he doesn't see is the optics of other people. Other people looked up to him as a leader, and now just not one guy leaving but one family's leaving, or two families are leaving, or three families are leaving. So, like you're saying, that that could make destruction within the church. And I think it's very interesting how we bring in the importance of church and how you know the dam what damage could happen in the church. And you know, I hope again, I want to emphasize. I hope these last fifty days of quarantine plus whatever it may be that you have a reevaluation of what church is and how church is important. And, you know, I hope you go back to church and be like, you know what, the pastor's tie is not matching today. That's okay. You know, I'll I'll let it slide. I'm not going to yell at him or I'm not going to treat him bad or I'm not going to treat his wife bad or his kids bad or whatever it may be. You know, the church is the people that are assembled there. Okay, and that's important to not forsake and the, to exhort one another and, you you know, not to tear people down like yeah. you're, you're addressing there. I think you brought a lot of good uh, value. Do you have anything else? You're on a roll here. You're well, going... I just uh, I was just thinking of a, a quote which is attributed to a Nazi propaganda official. Mm-hmm. It's a, not a specified individual. It's just a quote attributed to someone that was in the propaganda machine. And the individual said that the way we beat the church is by making them focus on their differences than what they believe together. The way we beat the church is by making them focus on their differences than what we believe, what they believe together. Oh, yeah. Think about, think about that, how important that word is. Oh, yeah. You, you make, you, you make a make the church focus on the fact that this faction thinks the color of the wall should be white and this faction thinks it should be off off white eggshell you know you 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 make them focus on you know what's what they disagree on and then they sudden everyone suddenly forgets that you know we serve the same savior we're all saved the same way and let me break it down to my unintellectual uh, mind that i have 
that uh, we call that in my layman's terminology, momming and, po momming and popping, mm. which is basically you have a kid who wants to get his answer because he went to dad and dad says no. And so he goes to mom who says yes. And then he goes ahead and do it. And guess what happens when he leaves? You have the mom and dad yelling at each other because why, how could you do that? You know, whatever it could be. And uh, that, again, we're talking about how things get destroyed, you know. So, you know, again, we can bring that into the church. If you don't like what the pastor has to say, don't go to the assistant pastor <laughs> and say, hey, what do you think of this? And, you know, if you don't like that answer, don't go to the next assistant pastor until you get the answer that you like. You know, there's a reason why you have, you know, uh, people of the church, you know, giving you this advice. Now, those those people of the church aren't, let's say, God itself, you know, or, you know, the uh, if, if you have a chapter, and I, I tell this to my kids, if you have a chapter and verse, and it's telling you to do this, and you can point to the chapter and the verse, and you can explain it, and you believe it, then you know what? That's probably your best counsel is the Word of God. So I think we've uh, attacked this pretty good. Um, we kind of took a different spin than what we've done before. I'm going to go ahead and give you some thoughts here that... Uh, Oh, and Charles Spurgeon pulled this, pulled this from the sermon uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, Wherefore, let him that uh, thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So really uh, figure, you know, know what, where you stand on certain things. You're not always the best person. You know, there's always someone better. There's always something you can learn. I know as me as an instructor, uh, you know, we, we always have the... Uh, analogy of uh you know some people look at the glass half full some people look at the glass half empty but i i bring in a little bit of a difference to kind of stir up the crowd i i i give them i i bring out a, a jar an empty jar and i'll ask them how do i get this air out of this empty jar and someone will raise their hand in the class and they'll say i know how to and i'll say well come on up show me how you can do this and uh, they'll take out a, their gallon of water or their jug of water, and they'll fill that jar up with water. And I'll be like, okay. I said, there's no more air in there. Very good. And, uh, you know, I was like, go ahead and sit down. And I'll explain to the audience that, you know, some of you are here right now, and you think you have all these degrees, and you think you have all this knowledge, and you have done all this experience in your life. And, you know, you're just like this jar right here. You're filled. You think there's nothing more you can put into your, your jar. I said, that's where you fail. And I think there's a lot of truth to that as us as Christians. We're never, our jar is never full. We can always seek and learn something from God. So be humble when it comes to having your Christian walk. Now, Thomas, I want to talk about Thomas here, who is absent to his cost. And we're going to be understanding that from John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. In verse 25, it says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, we, we title this as uh, Doubting Thomas. 
you know, but really when you look at it, Thomas had an appointment <laughs> to be with the other disciples and he didn't make it. And, uh, you know, when they came back, he was like, no, I don't believe you. I'm not going to believe you until I can see him and I can do this and I can touch him. And if Thomas just showed up on time, you know, it'd be a different perspective. And uh, that brings us to the point, just like Thomas, how can, can you always give your apologies for, your, for absence to the Lord and to your fellow members with a clear conscience? You know, we can only give so many excuses, you know, especially throughout our time here on earth. You know, the day is coming. You know, you got to keep looking forward and you got to keep striving to move forward. And, uh, you know, we can't, we can't give ourselves procrastination or excuses to follow the Lord. I know uh, many times, and sometimes Andy and I talk about this, you know, especially with Bible reading. You know, Andy will be like, Dad, did you read your Bible today? Not maybe as a ha-ha, like, you know, hey, are you, you know, are you really doing this or, you know, you're not. And sometimes, you know, I'll be like, no, I'm not doing it, you know, and, you know, Andy's pretty good about not shoving things into your face, you know, politely. Now, if he's being uh, competitive, he will, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, you know, you can only give so many excuses to someone, hey, I didn't read my Bible today because I woke up later, hey, I didn't read my Bible today because my coffee was cold, you know, there's only so many excuses that can take you so far. Um, you know, it's it comes to where you have to put yourself into check, into realization that there's an actual action that needs to take place. And the best way I explain this, because everybody's tried to be on a diet before in their life. Everybody's tried to get in shape before in their life. And, you know, the first, you know, week that you wake up, you work out, you know, you eat right and everything else. But when week number two comes, you start finding yourself making excuses. And the ones that succeed is they create that change in themselves where they can be consistent and be able to go on consistently. Now, I'm just saying consistently. I'm not talking, you know, sometimes you have some off days, but being consistent and keep striving to do what needs to be done. And we can take that into our perspective of our Christian walk. Have you made a change to do better? I know a lot of times in the beginning of the new year, we have these resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But we fall flat when it comes around February or March. The Christian walk is not changed every year. It is a continuous thing that goes day in, day out, year after year after year, decade after decade, until the Lord calls us. So we need to be in control of, you know what, I'm not going to give that excuse today. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to get it done. And I'm going to, and I'm, you know, you'll be surprised when you sit down and you buckle down, you'll feel better. Uh, you'll feel refreshed. You'll have clarity because you just spoken to your Lord and Savior and listened to him. So I want to encourage you with that to go ahead and continue on. Stop giving the apologies for your absence and strive for Christ every day. I'm going to go ahead and close today and uh, go ahead and share this podcast.
Like you can see on the screen, we've been keeping you informed of how you can reach us. Go ahead and reach us anytime you want to. Check in. We do multiple posts throughout the day. Have a good night. Bye-bye.